thank you for the truth of what we just sang. The unbelievable truth that in Christ alone our hope is found. And that in Christ we could stand before you faultless and blameless. It's amazing for us to even consider. And as now, Lord, we open your word and as we look into your word to find from your word the truth on which these songs have been based, it's your word that's living and active, God. And so we pray that it would do the surgery that you know it needs to do in each one of our lives today. I pray, God, that you would take the clutter from our lives, that you would take the distractions from our mind, that we could be focused totally on you. Open our hearts, Holy Spirit, please. Move in our lives and our hearts. Open our hearts and our minds to hear the truth that you have for us, that we could leave here changed more the men and women that you've designed for us to be so that we can impact this world with the truth of what we just sang, that in Christ alone our hope is found. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, we'll release the children through grade four, and I'll invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word to Galatians chapter five. If you don't have one, you... There's one near you, either in the seats in front of you or on the rack. Feel free to take it and wear it out. Um, and uh, there's a, also the, the verses will be on the screen. They're in your bulletin as well. We're in a summer of encouragement here, if you're just joining us. And so we've been looking at what does it mean for us to encourage each other to serve the Lord and, and to do that which God has designed for us to do. And we've been thinking and considering uh, the truth that many times we need encouragement in that. The left to ourselves will wander away from that, but as we come together and encourage each other, we can encourage each other to do that which God's called us to do. And so today we're looking in this idea of encouragement. We're talking about encouraged to live free. And so as co-members of the family of God, we will encourage each other to live free. Christ has come to set us free, free from the darkness that overtook us in the past and continues to try to impact our lives. Came to set us free so that we would live in freedom. Our life is fulfilled when we use this new freedom in Christ to choose to be dependent upon Him. Only then can we truly be free from the past masters that have held us. We're looking at Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So the big idea for today is this idea that we can live in freedom. Now, if you've been part of Calvary for a while, you may remember that six years ago on the 4th of July, I brought this out and we used this as an illustration. How many of you remember this? All right, many of you. Okay, well, we're going to do this again. And this represents the burden, the yoke of slavery that we carry. And the first point that we see is that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, so Christ sets us free. And so initially what this burden represents, this, this bag represents, is the burden of sin that we're each born into. Each one of us are born with a sin nature. Each one of us is born with a load of sin. And this sin is darkness. It's guilt. It's shame. 
It's all the things that are opposed to God. And our sinful nature craves those things and desires those things. And so we carry them around and they become very special to us. And, and then we get trapped in them. And it becomes slavery for us. And many times we don't even realize what it is that sin is in our lives. And we carry it around and, and you run into people every day who have never met Jesus as their savior. And they're carrying this load of sin. It is darkness. It keeps them separated from God. And it keeps us separated from God. But until you meet Jesus, it's all you have is this load to carry. And along with this load comes the absolute certainty of eternal death and separation from God. But Christ came to set us free. And when you come to a place in your life where you realize that this sin that you were born with, this sin nature that separates you from God and earns you eternal separation from him, when you realize that Jesus came to set you free from this, and you realize that he took your sin on the cross as he came and he lived and he died on the cross and your sin was put on the cross with him. And as you come to God the Father and you say, God, I, I realize that these things that I've done are actually me trying to take your place in my life. And I repent and I ask that you would forgive me and you would take this burden of sin, that you'd take the, the sin and the guilt and the shame and the absolute punishment that I deserve. And at that point in time, free from the burden of sin and the penalty that comes with it, it's gone. Gone from your life. Have you experienced that? Luke chapter 4 verse 19 tells us this. It, it's where Jesus is in the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath and he, and he opens the scroll that's handed to him to, a, to Isaiah 61. And he reads this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. God sent Jesus to proclaim freedom. And in the same way as he saw the, the uh, Israelites trapped in Egypt under slavery, he saw us trapped in slavery to sin. And he sent Jesus to set the captive free. Jesus, in talking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And he goes on to say, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free indeed. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, I would like to learn just one thing from you, Paul says. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? As Paul writes to the, to the churches in the province of Galatia, he's writing about 48, 49 AD, somewhere in there, and he's writing this letter to these churches. And he wants them to understand, as we read the whole letter, he wants them to understand the truth of the gospel, that there's one gospel, and that gospel is the truth that Jesus came, lived, died, buried, rose again, ascended to the Father, where he intercedes for us. And when you receive that, when, you, when, you set, when you're set 
free. At that moment in time, you receive the Spirit. And so he speaks to these churches in Galatia, and he says, you received the Spirit. And it wasn't by what you did. It was because of what the Son did for you. Christ sets us free. If you have never experienced that freedom, I urge you, don't leave here today without that. And if you have, then it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And that's our next point. We are set free from past masters, which have a strong hold on us. It is for freedom, the yoke of slavery. You've been set free. And, and Paul challenges these readers. He says, don't let yourselves be burdened again by that yoke of slavery. He goes on in verse 2, he says, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Now, we have, a, yeah, we have a problem connecting with this because circumcision today means something much different than it did then, and then it meant something much different than when it was established by God with Abraham. Originally, circumcision was a sign it was a seal. It was a sign of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. It was a, a sign that the promise of God extended to Abraham and to all of his descendants. And so as, as the Hebrews and the Jews, as they would take and, and be circumcised, it would, it would be a sign that they were under this covenant of God. And understand that the covenants with God depend on God, not us. So it was a sign that he, God, had made a promise to Abraham. And so it was a sign that they were under the promise of God. They, and they would have this happen all throughout the Old Testament. Now what happened during the period in between the Testaments, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, God wasn't speaking through prophets. And so the Jewish religion became more of a, of a Judaism. There was these Judaizers, and they took the law, and they made the law something to be worshipped. So much so that when, when Jesus came to them, they said, we haven't been slaves to anyone, when they had actually allowed themselves to become slaves to the law. And so as they become slaves to the law, the law becomes that which is the yoke that they held that Jesus came to set them free from. And so as he spoke to this church in Galatia, he said to them, you've been set free. You're not, you're not held under the law anymore. As a matter of fact, in chapter 3, verse 23, it says this, before this faith came, we were held prisoners. And I love this. This is Paul, and he's talking to them, and he's saying, I understand this. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. So he's saying, listen, I get this. 
I was a Pharisee. I am a Pharisee, and I was pursuing this, and I understand what it means to have the law be that which you're trying to serve, to have the law place this unnecessary yoke on you. But Christ has come to set you free from that. What had actually happened is the law of God had become a desire of the flesh for the Jewish people. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, one page over, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And so... We were following these cravings of our sinful nature. And for them, they they needed to be worshiping something, and so they began to worship the law, and they began to add that. And Paul is telling them, listen, this is a craving of the sinful nature. And each one of us in our sin nature craves that which is opposed to God. We crave sin. It, it looks good. It feels good. It tastes good. It, it, it seems good. Our flesh craves it. And we all have that. Now Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But yet, I'm stuck with these old passions and desires in me. So what is it that's gone? You need to understand that at that moment that you come to receive Christ, what's gone is is your solidarity with Adam, okay? In Adam, we are united in sin, and so we're separated from God. But in Christ, we're united with Christ, and so we have a complete different standing with God. So the old, where where we're rejected by God, is gone, and the new is where we're accepted by God. And so we're new, but we're stuck with the old, Paul's telling the the church in Galatia, he's saying, mark my words, I tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Well, think about that. Now, how do we bring that forward? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, it says, you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. You've spent enough time in the past doing that. I love that verse. Because really, right? You have. Right? If you've spent any time in your life sinning, you've spent enough time doing it. Okay? Let's be real. So have I. You've done it enough. It hurts. It hurts you. It hurts other people. It's enough. He says, what is it? Living in debauchery. Well, I don't do that. Lust and a little... Drunkenness, Uh uh-uh. Orgies, nope. Carousing, nope. So I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? (laughs) Detestable idolatry. No, I'm I'm good there. I don't have any carved statues in my house. I don't don't have a special place that I go worship with candles or anything, so I think I'm pretty good. Oh, wait a minute. 
What is detestable idolatry for us today? You see, because we've spent enough time in the past in detestable idolatry. So Deuteronomy chapter 29, I think, will give us a little glimpse into this. Deuteronomy chapter 29, and, and starting with verse 16. And in Deuteronomy, we understand that this is the second reading of the law. The first generation that wouldn't go into the land of Canaan has died off, and Moses is talking to the second generation that will go in and take possession of the land. And he says to them in verse 16 of Deuteronomy 29, you yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way. You saw among them their detestable images and idols of wood and stone, of silver, gold. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord, our God, to go and worship the gods of these nations. Make sure there's no root among you that produces such bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath, he invokes a blessing on himself and therefore thinks, I will be safe, even though I persist going my own way. This will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. Okay, so such a person thinks, well, I'm okay, I'm under the oath. I've got the blessing. I've got the covenant. So see, this is us. Let's bring this forward. What are the detestable idols, the, the detestable idols that we have in our lives? Because it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, so I'm free and I'm good. And so what do I, what do, I do? Well, what I do is I pick this back up. Because I've got Christ, so I'm good. All of a sudden, heaven's secure for me because I've got Christ. And he's made that covenant, so I'm good. And so I can start doing all this stuff again. And the truth is, much of this has become very special to me. And it's become an idol. Now, what are the things that become our idols? I would suggest to you that there are, they are our functional gods. And what that means is, we each have God that we profess. We profess God, and, and we profess that we serve Him, and then we come to church, and we read our Bibles, and we pray, and, and we profess that God is our God. But when, when push comes to shove, we function as if something else were our God, because we serve something else. Now, there's ways and and tests that you can use to determine what are these things in our lives? What dreams do you use to serve yourself instead of God? So as you're laying down at night right before sleep hits and you're, you're looking for the peace that allows you to go to sleep, what are the, the dreams that you use Is there anything in your life that's in turmoil and you're like, well, if only my job were going better, then I would have peace. If, if only my wife were more caring, 
and more understanding and showed me more respect. If only, if only my husband understood and knew the depth of my hurt and my pain. If only he, he understood all that I go through during the day when he's at work. If only I had a better car. If only my house were better. If only a bill was paid off. If only, if only a people would appreciate how hard I work. If only I was recognized. If only... And those things would bring peace. And they become our detestable idols. And you understand that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, Paul says that behind every idol is a demon, a fallen angel, behind every one of these idols, telling us that it looks good, that it's important, that we need to hold on to this, that, that this is something that's, that's become special to us. If you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings, at the, at the end of the, of the Lord of the Rings, Frodo, if you haven't seen it, this is a spoiler, at the end of the Lord of the Rings, and I'll sum up the entire series in one minute and 18 seconds. So at the end, he has a ring that he's been carrying, and this ring represents sin and evil and darkness and, and all the pain and turmoil that's been in the world, and he has this ring, and he's been carrying this ring, and as he's carried the ring, it's brought turmoil into his life and pain, and everything has been brought into his life from this ring, and he gets to the fires of Mordor, and all he has to do is take it and drop it into the fires of Mordor, and it will be destroyed forever. He's made it. He's there. All he has to do is let go. And Sam Wise cries out to him and says, let it go. Just let it go. And Frodo turns around and takes the ring and says, it's mine. And it's precious. And it's special. And he holds it. And so do we. What is your detestable idol? Maybe, maybe you have to keep your house spotless because when you were growing up, your parents told you you had to have a clean house. Maybe your work ethic is such. Maybe, maybe you're so insecure and you hold on to that insecurity and it's an idol. Maybe you're pursuing success. It takes on the weirdest forms Sometimes we've been deeply wounded by things. And the things that are wounding us and have wounded us become the things that identify us, and so we hold on to them. And then what we do is we try to put them over here. Nobody will notice, right? You don't see it now. But see, they stand in our way. So, so here I am, I stand up here, and I, every week I, I work and I study. I look at the text, I spend time in prayer, I seek the Lord, and I pray, God, empty me. Allow me to be used by you in such a way that, that your word impacts people's lives. And, and as much as possible, I come up here with a clear heart, but the truth is, I want you to like me. And I want you to like what I have to say. See, that's my idol. And that gets in the way. And so I'm constantly trying to put this thing down because you know what? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so Jesus says, Chuck, why don't you give me that? 
I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. So it's all good here. Got a pretty good grip on it. And, and he says, really seriously, I've, I've, I've set you free. And I've set you free so you could have freedom from that. And I'm, well, yeah, it sounds good, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. So he goes, go for it, you know. It's like, Chuck, you want, you want to give me that? No, I'm good. You want to give me that? I'm good. I'll take it. Okay. Okay, Lord. Uh, yeah. I'm tired of carrying it. All right. And he takes it. And he takes it away from me. And he comes over and he takes Terry's. He takes Shirley's. And Jesus takes all of these. Each one of our sins, all of our burdens, he takes every one of those onto the cross. And takes them as far as the east is from the west and sets us free so that we can live our lives in freedom, so that we can leave them and all the marks that they cause on us. What are those things for you? Jealousy, anger, envy, insecurity, success? Do you need someone to love you and they don't love you and you just long for them to love you and and you won't be complete until they do? What is it that you need to have in order to feel complete? In Colossians, Paul says, you have been given fullness in Christ. This is enough. I don't need to have that. I don't need to add anything to the freedom that I've been given in Christ. Just as the church in Galatia, they didn't need to add circumcision. And listen, if I choose to pick that up, Christ is of no value to me at all. If, if, if I choose to walk with this and he says, give it to me, and I say, no, give it to me. No, I'll take it. No, could I have it, please? No. He's of no value to me. Why in the world would you take Jesus as your Savior and not have him be valuable to you? Let it go. Let it go. So what are the past masters in your life? Is there any way in which these past masters have become idols for you? And do you realize that there's a demon behind each one of those holding you back, convincing you that you're not who God says you are? The final thing we see is that our our freedom gives us a, a choice of who or what to serve. Our freedom gives us a choice of who or what to serve. We have the freedom to be what God originally made us to be. Free. 
He, he created us to be in an intimate relationship with him, walking with him in the garden, in the cool of the day, in an intimate conversation with him. That's who you've been designed and created to be. That's who he's made you to be. And to be there, you have to release the idols because releasing the idols from your life allow, allows God to come into your life. Those who cling to worthless idols, Jonah says, from the belly of the fish, Forfeit the grace that could be theirs. If I hold on to that idol, I forfeit the grace of letting it go. Come to me, Jesus said. All you who are burdened, and that's all of you. All of you who are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. My burden is light, Jesus said. Compared to that, his burden is light. And what's his burden? His burden is to serve others. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. Free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to pick that bag up again. Don't you dare. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. See, use your freedom to serve each other. And the way way I'm going to serve you is by having my hands empty. If I drop all this and I start serving you, all of a sudden this stuff goes behind. But if I use my freedom to say I can continue to hold on to that, it keeps me from being able to serve you. And I have been created and designed by God to serve. Jesus said the Son of Man didn't come into the earth to be served, but to serve. He came as an example for us. He didn't come to be served. And see, so many times the idols in my life sit back and wait for other people to serve me. And I've been set free so that I can serve others. There's a video here that shows us that. Our idols cause us to need other people to serve us instead of us serving others. We've been set free for freedom, for the freedom to love others, to allow the love of God to flow through us to others. What are the idols in your life? On this day as we celebrate freedom in our country, What are the things that are keeping you from living in the total freedom that God has designed for you to have? It's not what he made you for. That's the demons behind those things telling you that you have to keep worshiping those things. Let them go. You are significant in Christ. And before the throne of God, we have a strong and a perfect plea. And it's a plea for freedom. And as the worship team comes up, I'm going to ask that we close with that song. Before the throne of God above. I ask you to stop and consider that. And if there's there's some of these things in your life that have been holding you, or that you've been holding on to, let them go. Let them go. You don't have to take them out of this room with you. You understand that, right? 
And the truth is, we need to encourage each other in this. We need to encourage each other that we are free in Christ. God, thank you for the truth of that. Thank you that Jesus has set us free. And when the Son has set us free, we can be free indeed. And so we claim that freedom, God. We ask that you'd help each one of us to examine our hearts for what it is that's causing us to not live in that freedom. Lord, you know as you and I have spent time together this week, the list seems exhausting. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you're a good, good father and that through your kindness you lead us to repentance and that you're patient with us as we put these things off one at a time patiently waiting for us to give them to you. And then in your deep love, taking them from us. You're so much better than we deserve, God. And we are grateful. Amen. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Lord Jesus, help us look upward and see you and see that we can be released from these things in our lives. Give us this victory, God, not for ourselves, but for you so that we can serve you and serve each other in love. Help us live free so that a world that is trapped sees that freedom is what they were made for. Remind us that as we live trapped, it doesn't give the hope to the world that you designed it to give. Help us encourage each other in this, please, God. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with doing everything for his will, and may he work in us that which is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship, and encouragement. Listen, if you've got a burden and you need, come up here, leave it here. If you never met Jesus, turn to the person next to you and ask them how to meet him, and if they don't know, both of you come up here. All right? Amen. Amen.